Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Mark Treichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. Uh, I am going to focus primarily during this podcast on some conclusions I have and others have had as it relates to the Committee on Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs on recent bank failures and the federal regulatory response. Now there was a Senate hearing and a House hearing, and I'm going to mix and match my comments based on that. However, there is a smoking gun, in my opinion, in all those many hours of of hearings, in all of the prepared statements, and there is one paragraph that, to me, is the 500-pound gorilla, and it's this. This is from FDIC Corporate Chairman Marty Gruenberg, who said, The systemic risk determination enabled the FDIC to extend deposit insurance protection to all of the depositors of SVB and Signature Bank, including uninsured depositors. In winding down the two failed banks at in winding down the two failed banks at SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, the depositors protected by the guarantee of uninsured depositors included not only small and mid-sized business customers, but also customers with very large account balances. Get this, this sentence needs an investigation all alone. Everything that they're talking about, the one thing I really care about most is this next sentence. And that sentence is, the 10 largest deposit accounts at SVB held 13.3 billion, that's billion with a B, in the aggregate. So 10 account holders at SVB held $13.3 billion. Later on, it goes on to say in his testimony and elsewhere that the estimated cost of this resolution of the two banks, including Signature, is about $23 billion. 20 of that is associated, roughly is associated with SVB. Of that 20 billion at SVB, $13.3 billion are going to 10 depositors. Those 10 depositors, you think they were freaking out Thursday and Friday? Uh, before the government intervened, those 10 depositors, you think they had phone numbers of people at the Fed, FDIC, the White House, maybe even? I'm guessing they did. So I'm a little, I'm a lot more leaning towards this being a bailout. I'm a lot more leaning towards we need to see who contacted who, how this all happened. Did Was there a true fear of contagion? It's possible the answer is yes, but it's also likely that these 10 people put so much pressure, political pressure on Biden and on Biden's appointees that there's a lot of explaining to be done. Who who deserved 
to get 13.3 billion. Who deserved to have all that money spread around to every bank? Although that whether or not it gets spread around to every bank is now in question because of some of the things that were said, which is a good thing. I think they're gonna penalize the big banks for this, but they shouldn't necessarily be penalizing anybody. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens as it relates to the different investigations that are going to come out of this. There was a tweet of a summary by a Wall Street Journal reporter, Andrew Ackman, who said, by my count, we can expect at least five agency reports on bank failures. The Barr-led Fed report on SVB supervisory failures, the FDIC report on its supervision, the FDIC recommendations on deposit insurance, the GAO review of the federal, the Fed supervision, the Fed IG investigation and review. Now, some of those reports are going to come as soon as May, which is probably a little rushed. I believe in May, the FDIC will be coming forward with a proposed rule on how they propose paying for this. They've indicated that they have a broad discretion to do so. I anticipate that they will heavily burden the large banks in order to get favor from both sides of the political equation here. As I've talked about previously, the senator from Oklahoma grilled Yellen on this, saying, why are my banks, why are my small banks having to having to bail out this situation when the result of this is money's running to too big to fail banks and out of community banks. Now, I've heard from my clients that things seem to be relatively calm, which is good. So same from what's being reported on banks. I don't think there is a run, but there is going to be collateral related issues supervisory wise and whether or not it comes out as regulations or whether or not it comes out as guidance is to be determined. But that one sentence, the 10 largest deposit accounts at SVB held $13.3 billion. Who got that $13.3 billion? The explanations in the testimony of we needed to we needed to prevent contagion. We need we had a systemic event. We're not we're not very robust, in my opinion. Not that not that they necessarily could have been very robust. There was probably a lot of panic over that weekend, but the panic was also undoubtedly, in my mind, allegedly, in my it, it, I'm alleg- I'm alleging this that those ten deposit holders put amazing pressure on all the parties in Washington to bail them out. And here we are. What's it going to lead to now? Well, I've got a few thoughts relative to that. Okay. So I mentioned the fact that there was a a reference to how they can charge for this. So from Gruenberg's testimony, it indicates that under the FDI Act, the loss of the insurance fund arising from the use of the systemic risk exception must be recovered from one or more special assessments on insured depository institutions depository institution holding companies or both as the FDIC determines to be appropriate. The FDIC Act provides the agency with a dis- with discretion in the design and time frame for any special assessment to cover the losses from the systemic risk exception. Specifically, the law requires the FDIC to consider the types of entities that benefit from the action taken and by the way, small banks will argue the benefit went to the large banks, economic conditions, the effect on the industry and such other factors as the FDIC deems appropriate and relevant. I believe that proposal will come out potentially as soon as May. Uh, I'm going to predict that if there are costs on small banks, that it will be de minimis, just like how NCUA 
NCOA's operating fee for federal credit unions. Uh, there's an asset threshold rule, asset threshold under which NCOA does not charge an operating fee. I think they're going to do something similar at FDIC because A, because it was right, and B, because the politicians in this instance will probably force that to be. Okay, another piece of testimony from Gruenberg, which I found interesting, was under the title of Preliminary Lessons Learned. And Grunberg testified that in the immediate aftermath of the failure of SVB and Signature Bank, some preliminary, pre- preliminary lessons can be identified. A common thread between the failure of SVB and the failure of Signature Bank was the bank's heavy reliance on uninsured deposits. As of December 31, Signature Bank reported 90% of its deposits were under uninsured and SVB reported 88% of its deposits were uninsured. The significant proportion of uninsured deposit balance exacerbated deposit run vulnerabilities and made both banks susceptible to contagion effects from the quickly evolving financial developments. One clear takeaway from the recent events is that heavy reliance on uninsured deposits creates liquidity risks that are extremely difficult to manage, particularly in today's environment where money can flow out of institutions with incredible speed in response to news amplified through social media channels. A common thread between the collapse of Silvergate Bank and the failure of SVB was the accumulation of losses in the bank's security portfolios. In the wake of the pandemic, as interest rates remained at near zero, many institutions responded by reaching for yield through investments in longer-term assets, while others reduced on-balance sheet liquidity, cash, federal funds to increase overall yields on earning assets and maintain net interest margins. These decisions led to a second common theme at these institutions. Heightened exposure to interest rate risk, which lay dormant as unrealized losses for many banks as rates quickly rose over the last year. When Silvergate Bank and SVB experienced rapidly accelerating liquidity demands, they sold securities at a loss. The now realized losses created both liquidity and capital risk for those firms resulting in a self liquidation and failure. Finally, the failure of SVB and Signature Bank also demonstrated the implications that banks with assets of $100 billion or more can have for financial stability. The prudential regulation of these institutions merits additional attention, particularly with respect to capital liquidity and interest rate risk. This would include the capital treatment associated with unrealized losses in banks' securities portfolios. Given the financial stability risks caused by the two failed banks, the method for planning and carrying out a resolution of banks with assets over $100 billion or more also merits special attention, including consideration of a long-term debt requirement to facilitate orderly resolutions. Interesting, they're contemplating requiring banks, big banks, have longer-term debt on the liability side so as to better have a matching book of business. Okay, there was also a good summary in Bloomberg about Bloomberg's takeaways from everything that was said. And I'm going to highlight a few points that they crystallized. That would be that the the Fed stress tests of banks will be enhanced with multiple scenarios to uncover a variety of channels of contagion. Editorial note relative to that. Watch closely if you're over 15 billion or over 10 billion or approaching 10 billion, because those stress tests are things that NCUA will take a look at and decide if they want to mimic or mirror some of that. And I predict that they will. So while this won't happen, this is actually one of the items that could happen quicker because the Fed stress tests come out at the beginning of every year. You can expect that their stress tests 
in January and February will be far more robust because they were pretty tame last year and were more focused on inflation. These will be more focused on liquidity and interest rate risk, no doubt. And you can expect trickle down into the Office of National Examination and Supervision at NCUA and into even the credit unions below that potentially. Another point, the Fed will propose a long-term debt requirement, which I just spoke to from Gruenberg's testimony, for big banks, big banks that aren't designated as, as global systemic as global systemically important so that they have a cushion of loss absorbing resources bar set. So that's going to be some forced ALM for longer term liabilities on banks over a billion, but you can expect potentially longer term for that to trickle down. Now that would require new regulation, which could likely move at the Fed and FDIC without congressional action. So that theoretically could happen over the next year. Liquidity rules will also be explored to improve resiliency. I believe that this will trickle down to credit unions. I believe, as I said in a previous podcast on my 10 takeaways on what I thought NCUA would do in response to SBB, is that NCUA would come out with guidance on liquidity. By the way, it's quicker to come out with guidance at all of these institutions, all of these regulators, it's quicker to do guidance than regulation because it does not need to go out for public comment. It also is less binding. The FDIC will on May 1 lay out options for potential changes to deposit insurance coverage, which is now capped at 250,000. Editorial comment relative to that. To raise that, they're going to have to have an act of Congress. To get Congress to vote for it, you're going to have to satisfy the left, which is going to want more harsh regulations because they're wanting to blame President Trump for some law changes that that raise the level of significantly important. And you're going to have to have some supervision changes from the Republican side because the Republicans are the ones that are attacking the Fed and the FDIC saying that staff failed and that was the issue, that it's not a regulatory issue. So there's going to have to be a meeting of the minds here and it's going to have to be carefully uh it's a needle that will have to be carefully threaded. Said another way, don't expect this to happen anytime soon. They have all those reports that have to be come out and be digested. And then who knows, there could be another election by the time they actually get to this point. Lastly, on that point, I'm gonna this is a story for another day, but the NCUIF, NCUSIF, if, if the insurance is raised at NCUA and the NCUSIF, which it will be because NAFCU and CUNA will appropriate lo- appropriately lobby for it, NCUA will lobby for it, and Treasury, Treasury will support making sure that credit unions have the same coverage. However, if that happens, it's going to reduce the operating level of the NCUA, NCUSIF, and it's going to It's going to increase the likelihood and the speed at which NCUA would have to put a premium on its credit union. So changing the insurance coverage rate will impact credit unions. And if that happens, I will predict a premium sooner than later. And Groomberg also called for serious attention to the capital requirements for the securities portfolios of banks with assets over $100 There's going to be a lot of discussion about hold to maturity versus available for sale and what's what's equity and what's not equity. The net result is exams will get tougher on unrealized losses, regardless of where they're held. It might be slowed down if it 
turns into a Federal Credit Union Act issue for credit unions, and it turns into a CPA issue, and it turns into a GAAP issue. There's going to be a long tail to resolving all these things, but again, there's a lot of tentacles tied to it. All right. Well, uh, fascinating reporting out here and discussions at these hearings. I want to keep this as a short podcast. That's an update. But my biggest number one takeaway is who are those 10 accounts that had more than $10 billion? Who are those 10 accounts that accounted for well more than half of the cost of this fiasco? And who did they call? When did they call them? And whose friends are they? Because it's clear to me that there was some serious political clout and pressure put on FDIC, the Fed, the Biden administration. And I'm fascinated to hear and see who these folks were. I'm guessing if it doesn't come out that they're tied to both the Fed, the Dems and the Republicans. If they're if it if it sways one way or the other, I think this will come out in one of those one of those reports. But, but lastly, the simple fact that Gruenberg, who's I believe he's a Democrat, he was appointed as chair by Biden, so he must be a Democrat. The fact that he wove this in here in the same sentence where they say, "Yeah, this covered, you know, p- payrolls and small companies," and then the next sentence was this this 500 pound gorilla that said there were 10 huge deposit holders here that we bailed out. He didn't use the word bailout. That's my word. But he wanted to get that on the record so that it wasn't being hidden. And it's not hidden anymore. And I did not see where that was discussed by any of the senators. They probably want to get more information before they attack to make sure that uh, those 10 people don't give them a lot of money. Okay, that's, again, my editorial comment on the political world that we have. And this is my second effort to wrap this podcast up. I'm going to I'm going to cut it off here. It's opening day in baseball. If you're a baseball fan, time to put that radio on and listen to some baseball. And I'll be back here with more episodes soon. I've got some exciting guests coming up that I'll be announcing shortly. This is Mark Treichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktreichel.com. 